the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us on this Friday afternoon. Uh, we could not be more thrilled than we get the opportunity to sit down with Pastor Rick Warren today. Not humanly possible. It is Hi, guys. <laughs> it's good to be here. It's good to be with you. Oh, this is fun. Thanks for doing this. You and, bet. And uh, I, we always, you know, we usually get a nice long list of how to introduce people, but people know you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious because... By the way, let me just say my favorite introduction was, and here's Rick Warren of whom Billy Graham said, who? <laughs> 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 That's That'll a real story. That's a real story. No kidding. <laughs> how do you follow that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I would, that might be the answer. I was going to ask you, how do you like to introduce yourself? Like when, with all kind of stuff that you've done, uh, how do you I, introduce yourself to people? I like the word Rick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, on a, I'm on a first name basis with everybody. I want everybody to feel like I'm their best friend and they're my best friend. Hmm. I, I genuinely do like people. And so... I don't use the doctor degree. I don't say reverend. I don't. You know, if people call me Pastor Rick, that's okay. But Pastor Warren, I go. You don't go to my church. If you call me Pastor Warren. Okay. So, in fact, when I'm in a in a grocery store, if somebody uses any other name than Hi Rick, yeah. I know they're not really members of the church, right? Because they know it's Rick. Right. I've been there for forty years, and it's just Rick. So that might actually surprise a lot of people. I'm curious. Because, like what Brian said, a lot of people are at the very least familiar with who you are. Yeah. What might people be surprised to learn about, like you as a person? Because I feel like we often, we you know, we hold pastors and authors yeah. up on pedestals, and yeah. they might be surprised to know this well, thing well, about yeah, you. Sure. Um, well, every pastor is a human being. What God only <laughs> God only uses flawed individuals. Yeah. If God only used perfect people, nothing would get done. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, pastors have the same problems with doubts. Hmm. with fears, uh, with worries, yeah. uh, with depression, uh, you know, the, the full gamut of emotions, which, by the way, emotions are meant to be felt. Feelings are meant to be felt. Right, right. Uh, you know, you, you want to stuff them. You don't repress them. You don't suppress them. You express them and confess them. That's good. So uh, I think that, uh, like, with emotions like that, uh, God gave us emotions because he's an emotional God. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've been, you just said you've been at this 40 years, which is, yeah. I'm sure to you, you look back and go, wow. Yeah. Yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really wondering, fast. Uh, you've got many years ahead of you, hopefully, yeah. Lord willing, but when you look back over 40 years, uh, how is what you've experienced, you know, take you back to 40 sure, years ago, sure. what did you think this was all going to be like, mm. and how has it been? Well, I certainly had no idea what it was going to look like. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people who are leaders claim to, you know, like have a perfect vision of what it's going right. to be like, right. and then they're going to yeah. get there. And I've always said I have, like, Polaroid vision, mm. that you take the picture, and the longer you look at it, it starts get, coming into focus, mm. like a Polaroid, yeah. and it gets clearer and clearer and clearer. And 
I, I don't think God ever gives us a map of our lives, then it wouldn't require any faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. right. Uh, what I think he does, it gives us a scroll. And you unroll a little bit, and you do what you see, and then you unroll a little bit more and do that. You unroll a little bit more and do That's that. Good. Because it would scare you to death. It would scare <laughs> me to death. Uh, actually, the first year of the church, on the last Sunday of Saddleback, I started Saddleback with one member, mm. you know, my wife, Kay. Right, right. Uh, she, I preached first sermon. She said it was too long. <laughs> and, oh, your wife, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I said, it's been downhill ever since. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so she still tells me it's too long 40 years later. But at the end of the first year, I was having so much as fun as a church planter. Hmm. I was doing all the preaching, teaching, praying, baptizing. Uh, I, I led 60 people to Christ the first year, wow. and I felt like the director of an orphanage. Oh, wow. I had no other staff. It was just literally just me. Wow. Wow. And on the last Sunday of the year of 1980, I stood up to speak and fainted. No kidding. From workaholism. Whoa. Physically? Physically like, just fell over. Wow. And that was very, very embarrassing. And that was bad enough, but what happened is I developed a phobia that if I went back and preached again, hmm. I, I would faint again. Right. Oh, you know, you know yeah. it's kind of like yeah. getting back on the horse kind of a thing. Yeah. So the first month of the year two, January two, 1981, I actually took four weeks off, got a friend to preach for me, and I, I took my wife and uh, kids out to Phoenix where her parents live. And I went out and I had my desert experience. Wow. No kidding. Uh, and spent a month in, in the Lord and uh, with the Lord. And while I was out there, um, there were two big haunting fears going through my mind. Mm. One of them was, uh, God, I don't deserve this. You're mm. blessing too much. Mm. Oh, and wow. I thought, I, I'm unworthy. This church, this house, uh, I mean, church had grown from Kay and I to about 120, 30 people the first year, mm. which was a big deal for me. I'd never been a senior pastor. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I thought, I don't deserve to be a pastor. I don't deserve to be saved, much less be a pastor. Right. I'm a guy who has a difficult time just being consistent in a quiet time, <laughs> much less leading the church. Yeah, same. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going, you're, you're blessing me too much. Yeah. I don't deserve this. And the second fear was, I can't handle it. Hmm. And um, I, I thought, if, it ke- if the growth rate continues like that, within a few years, we'll be running 1,000. And that scared me to death. Right. The truth is, for us as pastors, we go to these growth conferences and we dream and we hear about great successes <laughs> uh-huh. and stuff like that. But if our church grew like that, it scares to death. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Absolutely. I think everybody has this secret inside fear of inadequacy. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it, it, it just comes out in different ways. Hmm. Um, so while I was out there with the Lord in the desert, uh, God said a couple, three things to me. And he said, uh, number one, you're right, Rick, you don't deserve it. (laughs) You're like spot on. (laughs) But you never will. It's all by my grace, and don't you ever get over the fact that it's your faith and my grace. Mm. Everything I do do through you, for you, to you, in you, it's all by grace. And and so get over it. You're a trophy of grace. (laughs) So you you won't ever deserve it. trophy of grace. I don't deserve to be saved, much less in the ministry. Mm -hmm. But but I am. Uh, The other one is is, uh, God said, uh, whose church is it? I go, well, it, it's yours, Lord. You said I will build my church. And God says, good answer, Rick. Good, good, good answer. You're right. And then he said something, guys, that really changed my life. And this is like 40 years ago now. And he said, you focus on building people, and I'll build the church. That's good. And and that's where the whole purpose-driven thing yeah. came in. Purpose-driven is not a church growth strategy. It's a discipleship strategy. It's how to move people around the stages of spiritual growth from knowing Christ 
to loving Christ, to loving his church, to growing in Christ, to serving Christ, to sharing Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just a real simple process. Uh, and so I, I said, God, you got a deal. Hmm. Uh, I'll build people. You build the church. And I, I imagined myself getting up out of my chair in my office and go, okay, Jesus Christ, you're now the pastor of this church. And which to me, that meant ultimately it wasn't up to my creativity and ingenuity to make this thing work. Right. That it, it's, it's going to grow at the rate and speed yeah. God wants. And, and I don't really have to do anything about this. I just right. be faithful and do whatever God wants. That was like a mountain load of stress Absolutely. off me. That's amazing. And out of those two things, this happened. You know, if you're going to have losses, it's good to have them in preseason. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I like. I had, I had my. You know, you don't want to have a perfect season and then lose in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. And so. I had my midlife crisis at 25. There you go. <laughs> All right, which means I learned a lot of things. That's brilliant. In that first year, yeah. When because when I came out of that, uh, I came out with a couple conventions convictions that, yeah, it was all by grace mm. and ultimately God's responsibility. But number three, I'm God's man for that church until God calls me to do yeah. something else. I yeah. love that. And nothing can shake it. Not criticism. Not health issues. Not other stuff. And so. That was a big turning point. But then the Lord said two things to me. He gave me a verse out of Deuteronomy where God says to uh, Joshua, I'm going to drive these enemies out of the land. Mm. I'm going to give you the land, but you're not going to possess it all at once. I'm going to drive them out little by little because you can't handle it. Mm. And you will grow. And as you grow, then we'll slowly take over the the promised yeah, land. Yeah. I'm going to give you what I promised. I'm just not giving it to you all at once. Wow. And I call that pacing growth. Yeah. And so, like today, I tell people, I, say, I can teach you how to build a healthy church. I just can't teach you how to do it fast. Mm. Oh, that's okay? good. And most it, people are like, taken, nope, I want it now. Yeah, yeah right. right. It's <laughs> taken me forever. And the truth is, those churches that grow instantly, like zero to 3,000, that's not real growth. Mm. What that is, is you're not fishing for men. It's Trading fish from aquarium to aquarium. Right, right. Those only happen where there are a lot of Christians, (laughs) and they transfer over to the hot act in town. Right. And that's not great commission. That's not the kind of the growth we want to see. You guys want to see. That's right. That's right. That's not legitimate uh, growth. So, But anyway, the the second year of the church, I was depressed the whole year. Wow. The whole year? Yeah, for an entire year. Wow. And uh, because I came out of that, and I just had this fear of what— I felt like I was a failure, and my ministry hadn't even started. Hmm. It was only one year right. you know, into it. And I thought, and as most church planters feel in the first year, it all depends on me. Because mm-hmm. if you leave, it's going to fall apart. You right. know that. Right. You know that's going to happen. That's right. And, you, and your goal is to grow out of that. Yeah. Hmm. So they're not dependent upon you. But that first year, uh, a second year, I was just going, I wasn't saying, God, build a great church. I was going, God, can I put one foot in front of the other and hmm. make it through Sunday? Yeah. Wow. That's and I, I, I would go home and, and get in bed after the services and sleep till Monday. And uh, mm. and it was a really rough year. But the stuff that I learned in that year of depression actually prepared me to handle an enormous amount of stress mm. and to balance a whole lot of balls at the same time that I would have never learned if I hadn't gone through that pain. Yep. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious. You brought up the purpose-driven life that most of us have read, most people listening mm-hmm. have read. Uh, <clears throat> are you... <laughs> How to ask this question other than are you surprised by the number of people who read it and what <laughs> yeah. happened with the book? Or did yeah. you feel like when you were writing this, this is yeah. this is something that, that needs to be done? Talk well, us through I, that. 
when I was writing it, it took me um, seven months, 12 hours a day. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Really? It took me seven months, 12 hours a day. I was very, very disciplined. What I would do is I would get up about 4.30 in the morning, and uh, I, I just put on a pair of sweatpants and a shirt. <laughs> I wouldn't shower, shave, or eat breakfast. I was fasting till noon every day. No kidding. And I, and I would go to this little office, light a candle, because it was still dark outside at 4.30 in the morning, and I'd sit down, and I'd start typing, and I'd start typing, and then I would type and retype and type and retype, and 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 then about noon my ADD would kick in. Right, right. Okay, and I go, I got to get with people. Uh-huh. Okay, and so somebody would bring me lunch. I'd shower. I'd walk around the church campus for about an hour. Go back at one and and work from one to five, and then go home, eat dinner, play with my kids, and was in bed by bed at eight o'clock. Hmm. And for seven months I did no preaching. Oh, oh wow. no kidding. I didn't no know that. No preaching. Okay. Wow. Only Christmas and Easter. Only Christmas. It was almost like a sabbatical. Yeah. I was there at church. No staff meeting. And and, wow. and interesting, during the seven months I was writing that book, the church actually grew by 800 people. <laughs> <laughs> I go, maybe I should stay away more often. Yeah, now. right. Okay. No kidding. But that's the difference between personality-driven and purpose-driven. Yeah. That's so that good. When you've built the system, you don't have to be there. Right. Uh, how do you know when you have a personality-driven church, the pastor's tired all the time because mm. he feels like he's got to be pushing it, got to be pushing it. Right. And so when I was typing, uh, I knew that this book was anointed. I didn't know it was going to be a success. Hmm. I mean, like it was going to sell a lot. Legitimately, people, but, you didn't know. No, I didn't know. But huh. as I'm writing it, many times I would be sobbing, hmm. literally sobbing as I'm writing, and I'm going, man, I need this. Mm. I need this. And I would go, I'm not this good. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not this good. Yeah. Somebody's given me some stuff wow. here. Wow. And so I was typing it in. So I, I knew it was anointed, hmm. but I didn't know it was going to sell. You know, it's still, it's been out, what, 17 years? Still selling a million copies a year. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> it just, That's it, nuts. It just passed 50 million. That's, it's the best selling hardback in American history. Unbelievable. Yeah. In fact, it has two Guinness records. One is uh, best selling nonfiction hardback in American history. And number two, it's the most translated book in the world now, except for the Bible. No kidding. Um, yeah, it's in 137 languages. And yesterday, I just heard that it was uh, uh, Daniel told me it was translated in Hmong, bootlegged, and I didn't know about it. I go, well, the test of good material is to get bootlegged. That's right. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Said, okay. So if, if nobody's bootlegging it, it's it's cruddy material. Right. Okay. Right. And somebody came back from Myanmar and said, hey, Rick, we saw purpose-driven life all over the country. It's up in the Himalayas. It's everywhere. Wow. The, the, the issue is it's cop, it's uh, it's um, photocopied, and it's by Ricky Warren. <laughs> 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 I said, cool. There you okay. go. You know, give it to him. Go for it, yeah. man. That's amazing. So, yeah. I feel like so, if I had a Guinness World Record, I'd get, like, medals. I yeah, swear. yeah well, of course I, you would. I actually have a couple Guinness records. One is on purpose-driven life, but another one is, I've been collecting books hmm. all my life. Yeah. My mom was a seminary bookstore manager hmm. and then later was a librarian. And my dad was a pastor, and so I learned to love books. I started collecting books when I was 14. And uh, I, for many, many years, a couple decades, I read a book a day. Hmm. How do you say, how do you read a book a day? 
big print, lots of pictures. <laughs> Not colored yet. Real tiny, tiny books. One word per page. Okay. I have a two-year-old at home. I'm also reading a book a day. Those are good books. Uh-huh. But yeah. they count. That's right. They count. Okay. I've been keeping right. the wrong scoreboard this right. whole time. So today, I, my library, I have... Uh, uh, in regular books and ebooks, I have over uh, 160,000 books in my library. No kidding. It's huge. It's, it's literally its own building that I had to use, uh, get to hold my library. So Guinness Book of Records sent three judges to my library, and they lived there for a week. Wow. And they went through every book <laughs> because I own the record for the most books autographed by the authors. No kidding. Yeah. 4,700 awesome. of those books. I have a I have Galatians commentary autographed by Martin Luther. No. Really? Yeah. I have wow. Jonathan Edwards and 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 uh, George Whitfield and Moody and Spurgeon and Whoa. all these uh, handwritten hand signed stuff. Uh, uh, almost five thousand books by the authors. No that's, kidding. That's, by the authors, yeah. That's oh, remarkable. Well, that story's yeah. good. All right, so you're, you're talking about purpose driven. You're talking about yeah. forty years, and yeah. you're talking about this legacy and this origin story of legitimately yeah. standing before God, saying, "I don't, I don't deserve any of this. Right, I don't right. have, I don't have the chops. I don't right. have the." Right. What is it like to be Rick Warren today? Like, does that ever become yeah. normative? Like, well, okay, yeah, people know who I am and who Saddleback is. Well, what's that like to be in your in your one head? of the things? If, if you're going to stay mentally sane, yeah. mm-hmm. first thing, you have to realize that fame is worthless. Mm. <laughs> it literally is worthless. Right. Because one minute you're a hero, right. and the next minute you're a zero. Right. And, and the media only has two stories, build you up and tear you down. That's right. Mm-hmm. So once you hit the top, it's all over anyway. Yeah. I've been on the cover, I don't know, 30 or so magazines, Time, Newsweek, U.S. Yeah. News. Right. Well, but... As soon as that's over, then they start tearing you down. That's right. Okay. And they don't have the same story. Mm. And I say the same is true about whether it's criticism or praise. Mm. It's like gum. You chew on it for a while, but you don't <laughs> swallow it. Mm. That's okay. really good. Okay. Yeah. On, on, on praise or criticism, it's like... You know, when you write a book and the first sentence is called "It's not about you," yeah, yeah. right. Okay. right. All right. <laughs> then, then you kind of got to figure uh, one: the money's not for you that comes yeah, in from it. That's right. Which we gave it all away. Right. And and second, we go: the praise is not for you, but neither is the criticism. Oh, that's good. Okay. That's and, really and, good. And I, honestly, there have been many times, Brian and and Ian, that I've kind of wished I hadn't written that sentence. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Really, many yeah, times because I've been there. I had no idea that for the rest of my life that sometimes I would be tested 20 times a day. Mm. And and somebody will say something mean, I go, it's not about you. Right. Somebody say something praise, it's not about you. Mm. Somebody misunderstands you, you got to say, it's not about you. Right. Mm. Somebody gets upset, it's not about you. And I, sometimes I feel like I'm having to say it like every hour. Yeah. Right. You know? That's true. And, and I didn't know that God would be testing me on it <laughs> for the rest of my life. I'm going to go, can't I just write it and forget it? <laughs> right. <laughs> no. <You're> right. <laughs> And I'm going to go, are you happy now? Right. <laughs> I'm it's the same with sermons, though, right? Oh, You've so said true. stuff from the pulpit, oh, and someone oh, yeah. calls you on it 10 hours wife, later. Wife kind of looks at you like, right. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I want to let you know that uh, Rick has a program on our show, Daily Hope with Rick Warren, that airs at 9 a.m. here on AM 1160. So want everyone to listen to that. Uh, you're out here in the Chicago area here at Wheaton, my yeah. alma mater. And uh, for a very specific reason, at the GC2 conference, uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh, dealing with mental health and, right. and particularly mental health with pastors. Right. 
And I know that's a huge passion of yours sure. right now. And so I'd love for you to talk about, A, why is it a passion? Why yeah. is that growing in you? Yeah. And how would you assess the mental health oh, that's of pastors that's right now? That's a really good question. Um, the first thing is the battle, the biggest battle you're going to have in ministry is with yourself. Mm. The biggest battle, the biggest barriers in my ministry have not been other people. It's me. Yeah. Me getting in the way of me. So true. Same. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And so the battle starts in your mind. And the, the bottom line is the Bible says the heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. What does that mean? It means I lie to myself more than I lie to anybody else. Mm. Okay. That I tell myself sometimes things are better than they really are. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I tell myself they're worse. They really That's are. right. I'm not really a good judge of me. <laughs> I'm not really a good judge yeah, of you. Right. That's why we need mentors, models, partners, and friends, Absolutely. four different kinds of people in our lives, uh, because we can't see the forest for the tree. And so we're not really very good at evaluating ourselves. Mm. Uh, and so we need other people in our lives to kind of correct us, because the heart is deceitful. I, the first place, Given the right situation, I am capable of any sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I'm here in the Chicago land where two of the most famous pastors right. flamed out. Yep, that's right. Okay, and and I'm going. They were so close to the finish line. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So yeah. close to the finish line. That's why I always suggest that you need mentors and models. Your mentors have to be live, obviously, to coach mm-hmm. you. But I suggest your models be dead. Mm. And the oh, reason, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, is it, have live mentors but dead models because you don't know how their life's going to finish. So I can mentor that's you, but I can't really model wow. for you because wow. I haven't. The court's right. still out on my life. Right. See what I'm saying? So, so models, I pick somebody from history or somebody from scripture mm. for a model mm. of ministry and go, okay, I'm going to follow that guy because I know the screw-ups in Abraham's life. Right. Okay. right but he did right. end okay. Right, okay. right. Uh, and, and, but there are others who didn't. That's right. So, um, you know, that is an important thing, is that it starts in your mind, and, um, and, and, and everything's broken on earth mm-hmm. because of sin. The weather's broken. The economy's broken. Relationships are broken. Yeah, Your body is broken. Mm-hmm. Okay, have you noticed it doesn't always work? Increasingly, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Yeah. And 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 all of us have mental illness, just like we all have other kinds of illnesses. Right. You right. See, uh, it it may be a compulsion. It may be an addiction. It may be a fear. It may be a a worry. It may be, uh, uh, you know, a shame thing. Mm-hmm. But we our minds don't always work right. Right. And why is it that if my heart doesn't work and I take a pill, there's no shame in that? Right, and right. And if I take, uh, if my spleen doesn't work and I, or I have diabetes, I take well, a pill, there's no shame in it. Of course. If my brain doesn't work, I take a pill. Why am I supposed to keep that a secret? Yeah. Hmm. As if it's just another organ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the things we're trying to do is remove the stigma yeah. first uh, because then it's a whole lot healthier. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we say it's not a sin to be sick. Hmm. Your illness is not your identity. Your chemistry is not your character. That's really okay. good. You know, I had a young son. My youngest son took his life six mm. years ago after a lifelong battle of mental illness. It was the worst day mm. of my life. Mm. He was a brilliant young man, loved the Lord, yeah. led many people to Christ. Mm-hmm. He just lived with a claw in his brain his entire life. Wow. And when he was 17, Matthew came to me 
He goes, Dad, and in tears, we're both in tears. He said, Dad, it's, it's real obvious I'm not going to get healed. Oh, he man. said, I, I, we've been to the best doctors. Um, you've paid for the best doctors. I've had the best therapy. Uh, we've had best prayer warriors praying for right, me. Yeah. Right. Uh, Dad, you're a man of faith. Mom is a woman of great faith. Hmm. It's real clear. I'm not going to get get well. Why can't I just go to heaven now? Mm. Wow. Okay. He just wants pain relief. Yes. Right. Okay. And and so, tender heart, tortured head. Wow. Okay. Okay. His brain was not working correctly. And of course, in tears, I mean, that'll break your heart as a father. Oh yeah, you have your son saying, can I just go to heaven now? Wow. And I say, Matthew, I have to believe in hope. I have to believe that either A, you'll be healed. And I don't care if God wants to do a miracle or use medicine. Yep. Right. I'm not... I'm not picky on how God does it, right? but I just pray for your relief. I prayed every day for this relief. Yeah. But I said, Matthew, the truth is some things don't get healed on this planet. Mm-hmm. Okay, We just need to realize this is earth, not heaven. Mm-hmm. In heaven, every the Bible says you know, God's will is done perfectly, completely, continuously, instantly. Mm-hmm. None of that's true mm-hmm. on earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, There's a lot of stuff that is done that God hates. Hmm. God is not the author of sin. Yeah. So God didn't take my son's life. Matthew took his life. Right. If if I went out and got drunk and I ran in a car accident and killed a woman with a, who's pregnant with a baby, that's my fault. Hmm. That's not God's fault. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I, I I said Matthew, uh, what do you do for a problem that can't be solved? Hmm. And that is you manage it. Hmm. You have to manage those kind of problems, which means maybe with therapy and, and medicine and good Christian growth and, you know, sanctification, you will be able to manage this and even use it as a ministry to help other people. Hmm. Uh, because a lot of us have problems that are going to be chronic and lifelong, mm-hmm. right? Mental, physical, spiritual, whatever, relational, you know, everybody's got problems in different areas right and in those you just have to manage them yeah so um when uh when matthew died um i'm i'm not exaggerating i probably got thirty five thousand con- condolence cards wow. from all around the world because wow. it, it i mean it was gut-wrenching i mean oh, to be walking gosh. through yeah. a airport and see your son's name on the cnn ticker oh my gosh matthew warren and the word suicide Nobody should have to go through that. No, it, it was it was gut wrenching, and so of these thirty five thousand cards I got, the ones that actually ministered to me, that helped me, weren't the ones from rock stars, mm-hmm. uh, uh, prime ministers, or U.S. presidents and mm-hmm. famous people. The ones that actually ministered to me were people who wrote me, who had been led to Christ by my son. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And Matthew would go on suicide sites and talk people off the ledge. He said, "Dad, it just doesn't work for me. I have him in constant pain." Yeah. And 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 he and they would say, "I know Matthew struggled with deep depression, but he led me to Christ." Yeah. Right. Wow. And and I I remember writing in my journal uh, that day, um, in God's garden of grace. Uh, even broken trees bear fruit. Wow. Mm. And I thought, but we're all broken trees. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, there are no whole trees on this planet. Right. Huh. We're all all broken. And actually, it is in our brokenness we make the biggest impact. And yeah. if there's anything I want to say to people who are listening to Common Good, it, it is if you'll be honest to God about your weakness, 
God will actually use it to benefit other people. That's right. Yeah. That's even right. more than your strength. That's right. If I were to sit down here and I'm to sit down and spend 20 minutes with you telling you all the good things I'm good at <laughs> or telling you all the cool things I've got to do, neat people I've got to be, you go, well, goody for you. <laughs> okay. So what? Yeah. Whoop-dee-doo. It doesn't build koinonia. It doesn't build right. fellowship. Right. We don't feel any closer. Right. But if I say, hey, um, my wife and I would have been divorced after the first two years if it hadn't been for a good Christian counselor. Wow. And my wife went through breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I had a son who took his life after lifelong suicide. Right. And I've lived with a brain dysfunction my entire life that makes public speaking excruciatingly painful. Wow. It's wow. my thorn in the flesh. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I lost a son. Uh, and, and all of these things. Well, then people go, oh, my goodness. Well, if God could use Rick yeah. in spite of all that junk, right. maybe God yep. could use me. Yeah. Yes. You know what I'm saying? We actually help people more out of our weaknesses that's right. than we do our strengths. Our that's strengths right, don't yeah. really help people. They they actually create competition. Yes. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, but 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 pain unifies. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for but sharing that all that. Was, that was wonderful. That, sure. Unfortunately, we have to close here because I know you've got places to be a week ago, another Two hours, three yeah, hours? easily. Maybe we're coming out to your library. Maybe we'll come, uh, come, set come out to the library. <laughs> we'll sit down. We'll do a, whole, we'll do a week show. Oh, you heard him. We're going. Yeah, you all heard him. You heard that. We're witnesses. And look, I know every place to eat in Southern California for under five bucks, and I'm a big Count spender. Count me in. in. Count me okay. in. <laughs> I am a big spender. Uh, as a reminder, you can hear Rick every morning on Daily Hope, which airs at 9 a.m. Yes. here on AM 1160. Rick Warren, thank you so much. Thank this you, was an guys. Thank you, man. Thank God you bless you. Thank you. I'm serious. Come out and see me. We'll tape a whole week in California. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Your, your voice to God's ears. Right <laughs> do not bring your Speedos. <laughs> we're, On that we're, note. We're, no, no promises. 15 minutes from the beach. No Speedos. <laughs> oh, Everyone will be thankful. Yeah, that, right. So. Anyway, Rick Warren, thank you so much. Free and Simpkins, man. I'm thank Brian Fromm. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for you. 